With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. TNT. You're with Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Jim Warfare at tntradio.live. That's my email address. As always, send me an email. And as always, thank you for telling me where you are mailing me from. I love that part. Uh, jump into the live chat. By the way, please tell people to watch TNT. It's our, uh, I think this is our first or second week, I can't remember now, of 24-hour video that is pretty awesome. So you can now watch my show and every other show. You don't need to listen to it. And um, I don't know where all that's being streamed, but I tend to watch the one that's on YouTube. However, I would certainly look for uh, another option because I have a feeling YouTube is going to flag <laughs> is going to flag us uh, because we we talk about things that the mainstream doesn't talk about and uh, YouTube doesn't like that. So just uh, try and find. I actually think uh, all the all the links and things are on TNT's website. So go just go to tntradio.live. Okay, Alex, let's show we do this. My name is Jim. This is Jim Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. Connecting the dots, painting the bigger picture. They always have great conversation. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. John O'Sullivan, as always, thank you for joining me in the trenches. Yeah, my pleasure, Jeremy. Always glad to have a good chat with you every, every fortnightly now, bi-weekly, fortnightly. I've actually put up a promotion on Principia Scientific today. Yeah, we've been doing it quite a while now, but I, I think yeah. it's pretty well rooted now. We're not going to change this format. Uh, it, we both no. enjoy it. Um, we don't plan a thing, do we? We kind of let the week no. uh, progress. <laughs> and by Friday, <laughs> we're ready just to uh, freestyle. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Although on the screen in front of me, it, it says Jono. And I know that's a short version of Jono Sullivan, but I think I'm going to call you Jono from now on. Jono! <laughs> <laughs> I get called John Boy quite a lot. Amazing how many people call me John Boy. I don't know why. Guys at the gym call me John Boy. My mother calls me John Boy. Even my son calls me John Boy. And it's very rude. <laughs> if guys at the gym are calling you John Boy, I would uh, take a few steps back. Yeah, yeah. Well, you should know, Jeremy. You've been there. <laughs> yes, yes. This is true. So listen, you told me that you're planning to come to South Africa in the next couple of months. Yeah, my um, plan, like like you, Jeremy, I've been doing a deep dive. I'm watching the videos, TNT live stream, 24-7 video streaming. And um, I know we, we've done the radio job very well, but now we're transitioning into video. And I'm thinking we can't look like a bunch of talking heads in somebody's bedroom having a chit chat. We need to become more like a mainstream. I mean, we are effectively ambitious enough to want to compete with mainstream, to compete mm. with BBC, Fox, CNN, Sky, all that lot. We need to have a bit more outside broadcasting. And um, my idea is um, to, come to come and visit you in the wonderful Cape Town and do a, a mini series, um, ideally at least five programs, maybe five uh, consecutive Fridays, where you and I will talk the talk about BRICS nations. And I think uh, I want to do it on location. At least one or both of us go around the world, go to Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. Um, I've got a wonderful, I've got two or three people very interested in the project, Jeremy. Um, we need people who are good on camera and people who like the idea of travel. And um, I don't mind travel. I know you came to Europe recently and I've got two, two or three people who are willing to um, stump it up with me and you 
and, and go traveling and broadcast. I've got a linguist who speaks four languages, so translation shouldn't be a problem and potentially some seed funding. So hopefully you and I can have a go uh, pilot episode, maybe get some video content together, air it on the on the on the one hour chat, you know, maybe one or two minutes here and there of what, what we talked about, you know, in situ. Maybe take me out to Kruger National Park, talk about the um, the benefits of uh, your lifestyle um, and, and what South Africa's doing. Because I've been reading this morning, Jeremy, that uh, Russia now is the Europeans, Europe, Europe's strongest economy. Russia. A year ago, nobody would have believed that. They would have said, oh, come on, Germany. It must be Germany. Russia may be third to fifth. But no, Russia, World Economic Forum, are now admitting Russia is Europe's leading economy. And um, what about China? Well, even um, it, the World Economic Forum agrees that China is going to have a 5% growth this year. You know, all these sanctions, Jeremy, with the war in Ukraine, they've completely backfired. You know, Europe is now tanking it. We're looking at possible not just recession, but a depression. And yet it doesn't reflect the true nature of the world economy. We live in a bubble. I think the Anglo Anglophone nations live in a bubble and we believe we are the world. We are very arrogant about it. And I, I think your perspective in South Africa is very interesting because you're like in between, you've got a foot in both camps kind of thing, haven't you? You kind of got a European heritage, but you're very much part of the African continent. So your, your viewpoint is very interesting. Yeah. I've said a couple of times that we here in South Africa are schizophrenic because on the one hand, we enjoy uh, our American, sh sh shall we say our Western uh, imports and exports, etc. But we also are very friendly with the East. And so we, we are well positioned, you know, geographically because we're at the bottom of the African continent, you know, the shipping route, etc. And I think that will become quite important in the coming in the coming years. Uh, but I do think though that I think that we are going to probably shift closer to the BRICS, to the BRICS nations, uh, maybe the East over, you know, over the next 10, 15 years. And I think that's more simply because there is this global resistance towards the sort of unipolar hegemony. Uh, and, and I think we're going to be part of that. I don't mean to say that, that anybody dislikes the US or England or anything like that. But I think that the empire is imploding, John. Yeah, I agree with you. And the problem is, it's um, <clears throat> it's not so much the people of those nations, ordinary people, hardworking people. They're the backbone of every economy. But um, who's actually running it? Who's pulling the strings? You know, behind closed doors. We we kind of mentioned it before. You know, we talk about that uh, throwaway phrase, the deep state. You know, the the, the hidden agendas. Um, Everybody knows that the the elite they meet in Davos. They've got the Bilderberg Group. They've got their little cliques. You know the Illuminati. There are many names that we 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 use to, you know, kind of tag them all together. And we, we know they're effectively the billionaire class. They've got more money than they'll ever need. You know, I uh, my argument is if you're a billionaire, Jeremy, how did you become a billionaire? Why do you want to be a billionaire? You know, in what in all human conscience, why do you need that much wealth? Why not do something good with it? You know, you're, you're on the planet for a short time. Um, you have a huge amount of wealth. Um, but these people are psychopaths. I mean, um, you probably saw like I did. Um, 100 years old this week, Henry Kissinger passed away. And I've seen people praise him and some absolutely condemn, condemn him. But we, you and I know, Jeremy, that guy had his finger on the pulse. He was 
you know, right in the middle of the whole idea of a, a global economy, uh, you know, one world government. He was there. And um, he's painted as you know, a great statesman. He actually won the Nobel Peace Prize. But then, you know, it could, actually, people have said, you know, he's probably responsible for at least 50,000 deaths in, in Cambodia. You know, the killing fields. Um, uh, Anthony Bourdain, you may have heard of Anthony Bourdain, yeah. Jeff. Um, before he uh, mysteriously died, he said he went to Cambodia. He saw the killing fields. He saw the tragedy there. And he said that there's one man on the planet he would love to strangle, and that would be Henry Kissinger, because that man, you know, again, pure psychopath. You know, he, he, to him, that was like, um, you know, an expediency. You know, what, you know, what's 50,000 here or there? And it's the same scenario now happening out, playing out in Gaza. You know, who cares if 10 or 15, 20,000 Gazans get murdered, if Israel gets to have greater Israel? The agenda there is the Ben-Gurion Canal. People, a lot of people have never yeah. even heard of the Ben-Gurion Canal. Well, 1.6 trillion barrels of gas, you know, are down there off the coast of Gaza, Jeremy. And um, that's worth fighting True. for. Uh, actually, I need to just point this out because I don't know about, well, actually, I do know. I've seen your Facebook and how you get absolutely bulleted by, by, um, by people who don't seem to understand that there is a difference between criticism of the Israeli government and also uh, Zionism. Now, these are different things. It's okay, I think, to criticize the Israeli government, and I think you should, because I don't think any government should be, um, uh, what's the word, beyond reproach, right? They should all be criticized because they're governments. Zionism is an ideology. It's a very dangerous, dangerous thought process because it completely blinds people from what is very clearly um, a mass atrocity that's that's currently being played out. Yeah, I think the whole the concept of Israel um, was very well intended, and I and I think the impetus came from the Holocaust. I think most people around the world had a natural affinity for you know some kind of uh, gesture to to Jewish people. You know, they talk about the Jewish diaspora. Two thousand years they they were cast out two thousand years ago by the Romans. Um, Throughout history, there's been a tradition, and I don't know why, and I'm not going to take sides here, but Jewish people have been vilified throughout the ages. And um, right or wrong, I, I don't want to get into that, but I think it's only mm. fair that if there is a possibility of a Jewish homeland, then we should go for it. But again, I've been learning. Uh, I, I said to you last week on your show, um, October the 7th, I took a deep dive. I decided not to just make glib comments, you know, just go with mm -hmm. the herd. I didn't want to do that. And um, it's incredible the amount of Orthodox Jews that really do oppose the idea of a state of Israel. They say the only time there can be a true state of Israel is in the second coming. You know, they, they need a Messiah to come back. And you can't, it's kind of a blasphemy to have this kind of mammon state of Israel, which, as you say, it's a Zionist state. The Zionist by and large, they're not religious people. They're partly Christians as well. They're you know normally called Christians. Um, you know the Balfour Agreement in 1917 was a pact between the British government and uh, you know a group of uh, very influential uh, Jewish people. I mean the idea was to make sure that um, the very wealthy Jewish people didn't move their support behind our enemies. You know, and again, let's be fair. Jewish people by and large are hardworking people. They, you know, they they've, they're known. 150 plus Nobel Prizes, you know, that's what they win. Ashkenazi Jews, um, they're meant to have a higher average IQ. 
Yeah, it's great to work with people like that. But there's an element in Israel who are absolutely psychopathic. And I believe Henry Kissinger is one of one of those types. I think George Soros is another one. Um, you can possibly name others. These are people who have got it in their mind that they've got a green light, a free pass to commit genocide for the wrongs that were committed to them. As if we're going to turn a blind eye and think, you know, you can do the same thing to these Arabs that uh, was done yeah. to the Jews. You know, there's no free pass anymore. You, you either you're going to make a change for the better or, you know, we're going to have a almighty war. Ninety five percent, according to Israeli observers, Jeremy, 95 percent now of all protests around the world are pro-Palestine. And in the first week of October the 7th, 35 percent were pro-Israel. You know, only 60% pro-Palestine. But now it's just gone completely the one way. It's the biggest own goal created by Israel. They've lost well, this war. Yeah, so Scott Ritter said to me that uh, it wasn't necessarily, yeah, well, it was an own goal, but it was part of the longer-term strategy by Hamas because obviously they knew that there was going to be retaliation. Yeah, and uh, I get a lot of ignorant people. You mentioned uh, Facebook. I've got 5,000 people following me on Facebook and um, quite a few, <laughs> quite a minority of them are so brainwashed, Jeremy. And I get the hate, like you get hate. Uh, your Wikipedia, mm -hmm. I love reading your Wikipedia page. The, full of, yeah, the hate you get on Wikipedia is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get the hate on Facebook, Jeremy. I mean, I'm trying to defend peace and love. I'm talking peace and love, Jeremy. <laughs> They, yeah. they want kill, kill, kill. <laughs> the only yeah. good Arab to them is a dead Arab. And that's all I get from these wackos. They're totally brainwashed, Jeremy. Mm, I'm laughing now because <laughs> my Wikipedia page is a Monty Python sketch. I, in actual fact, I've asked people many times, so I'll quickly say it again. I've asked people many times to go and completely wreck that page. So you go and find <laughs> me on Wikipedia and edit the hell out of it, like change it turn turn me into some crazy caricature because yeah. the whole point is that wikipedia keeps trying to revert the changes and tries to make it accurate or they'll lock the page or whatever i went john i went and edited my own page with correct information because it was the information on there was false i was apparently married to some other woman yeah. and they reverted the change and and then i received a message saying <laughs> stop vandalizing this page <laughs> Yeah, you know these are the these are the um, midwits, Jeremy. These are midwit people with um, half truths. Midwits with half truths, mm. and I think they're dangerous. And this is why I didn't want to spout out on October the seventh. I thought, you know, you have to own up, own your own ignorance, admit to what you don't know. And um, one of the things we were taught when we started working for TNT Radio is, don't pontificate on a, on a subject you don't know much about. Yeah. You know, you do your research, and uh, I, I think that's the strength of TNT. We we are humble enough. We're, we're the new kids on the block. We have to maintain a very high standard, otherwise we won't grow. And, um, you know, you and I, we make uh, great pains to check our facts and uh, not muddy the waters and, and be, be true and honest. Um, we don't pull our punches, let's be fair. You know, I'm not going to pander to any woke nonsense, and I really don't. And as you know, mm -hmm. when I do my show, I call it out. I call it a spade a spade. And you're going to upset people. You've got to upset somebody, Jeremy, because if everybody's your friend, yes. you're, not, you're not doing the right job. You know, there's no such thing as being everybody's friend, Jeremy, in life. You've got to have one or two enemies to be doing something wrong. Yes. You're not, you're not doing the right job. You know, there's no such thing as being everybody's friend, Jeremy, in life. You've got to have one or two enemies to be doing something right. John O'Sullivan, don't go anywhere. My name is Jerome. This is TNT Radio. 
TNT Radio's James Freeman. We have new revised figures from the Office for National Statistics showing that legal, that's not illegal, that's legal, net migration to the UK has witnessed one of the largest increases on record. Three quarters of a million additional people are now living in the UK in the space of just one year. A huge number that comes just three years after we left the European Union. Now, I didn't vote for Brexit um, because of immigration. I voted because of democracy, but millions did vote because they think too many people are coming into the country, which makes what the government has allowed to happen an absolute two fingers up to the people and democracy. Another example, if we needed another, of how the government does the exact opposite to what the people want and vote for. The Freeman Report and James Freeman on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hi, I'm Susan Lucci. I never thought about heart disease until I had my own heart event. At first, like so many other women out there, I ignored my symptoms. A slight pressure on my chest, shortness of breath. I thought, I don't have time to be sick. I had a, a 90% blockage in my main artery and a 75% blockage in the adjacent artery. I received two stents in my arteries, stents developed through research funded by the American Heart Association. Those stents saved my life. I'm so grateful to the American Heart Association. Their research helped save my life. I can enjoy life with my children, my grandchildren, and my friends. Please, listen to your heart. The only reason I'm here today is because I did. Learn more about the American Heart Association's life-saving work at helpheart.org. The Net Zero Con will leave millions of citizens dependent on state handouts. It isn't a theory. It's an agenda. There is no climate emergency. On air 24-7. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. John, you heard then on the ad, uh, there is no climate emergency. I was talking to somebody a few days ago, mm. and I said exactly that. I said, there is no climate emergency. And then he says, okay, well then, what do you... What do you call the climate catastrophe that's currently playing out? I, I, I said, okay, I don't think you're getting what I'm saying. Um, no. <laughs> and the, the, the point is, is that he thinks that, that this really is a, a thing. He thinks it's real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can't, they can't see the wood for the trees, Jeremy. All you need to do is a couple of simple metrics that you need to look at. Look at the global change in temperature over the last 120 years. And look at the level of sea rise. See, you know, two two metrics there. Just anybody can check. You don't need to be a scientist. Mm. Nobody disagrees, Jeremy. The UN IPCC. Every alarmist, every skeptic agrees that we're talking about a temperature rise over the last 120 years of one degree. And we know that. Look at the tidal levels. You know that the so-called sea level rise. Again, we have a year-on-year -year rise in sea levels, of a couple of millimeters, Jeremy. And what, what is that? What's causing that? Well, we know what's causing it, Jeremy. Every climatologist, everybody who studied the history of geology knows that uh, we're coming, we've been coming out of an ice age for 10,000 years. You go back 10,000 years ago, you know, the ice, the, the ice shelf was all the way down to where I live now. You know, where mm -hmm. I live now, you know, in the south of England, um, there'd be probably, you know, a half a mile deep of ice. So that's been melting the last 10,000 years. Now, 
these are ice cycles, these interglacial, we're in an interglacial that's coming to an end, Jeremy. We're going back into a cooling phase. We're not facing global warming, Jeremy. The real threat is global cooling. We're not prepared for the real tragedy. And that is preparing for the, gra probably gradual, but it could be, there is an argument out there. A lot of scientists say that these shifts are dramatic. And it's nothing to do with humans, Jeremy. The climate has always changed for 4.5 billion years. There's not a thing that you or I can do in the UK or in South Africa that will make one iota of difference. And all of it is a Ponzi scheme. Who benefits? Qui bono? Who is benefiting from this alarmism? Look at the original scientist. I mean, I, I remember back in 1988, I'm old enough to remember two key speeches that happened in 1988. The first speech in April was by Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher to the Royal Society. That was the first time any world leader said on the global stage about the dangers of greenhouse gases. I never used that term before then, Jeremy, and I was a school teacher. And um, July, a few months later, in July, in Washington, D.C., before a congressional committee, uh, the NASA's chief climate scientist, Dr. James Na Na Hansen, made his um, famous speech about the dangers of rising sea levels. And he predicted, Jeremy, by the year 2000, Manhattan would be under several feet of water. Well, this is 2023. <laughs> and we've, we've been having this crap, Jeremy, year after year after year. You know, I remember King Charles is now doing it this week. King Charles is now saying that... To, as you probably know, it's the uh, the conference this week. We've got two or three weeks of talking Cop. heads. COP28. And uh, they're going to talk mm. the heads off about nonsense again. They're talking about crap, what they can crap do. CRAP28. <laughs> yeah. Conference of the parties. You know, what, what are they? they're a confederation of uh, basically pilferers. They're pilfering our wealth. They fly in yeah. with their private jets, Jeremy. They live in the high-class hotels. They care not a jot for what they do. It's, it's like, do as I say, not as I do. And again, the arrogance and hypocrisy is beyond belief. You will never see King Charles do without one of his uh, Rolls Royces. Will he ever do away with one of his palaces? Would he convert one of his palaces into emergency home for the homeless? No. These are the uber rich, Jeremy. It's their planet. And they want us gone from their planet. They put, put us in the 15 minute cities, mm -hmm. Jeremy, where they can shut us down at a flick of a switch where everything is electric powered. And as you know, and I know, electric power is the most tenuous form of, of energy we, we rely on because you have it comes from a grid. It comes through the grid. And somebody that at the powerhouse, the globalists, central command can turn us off at any time. They're doing it with cars. They're doing it with everything. We have to fight back, push back. Same with cash. You know, do away with the cash economy, Jeremy. Well, how does that help us? You know, if the Internet crashes, we saw it you know, recently in Australia. Mm. When you have a, an outage, a major outage how do you get food how, how do you yeah. move around exactly and also one of the other things that people tend to overlook and this was in the same conversation that i was having a few days ago with this with this guy is he he lives in the uk and uh and he said look you know obviously uh this is what he said obviously fossil fuels uh, fuels are bad for the environment and all that and, I'm, and i don't agree with him because i think the term fossil fuels is probably nonsensical and i think oil is abiotic and it replenishes anyway. Um, but it is true that, you know, pollution uh, is bad, at, you know, depending on where you are and who's managing, etc. That's manageable, though. And pollution obviously is not the same thing as climate change. But he said to me, 
you know what what you must understand is that we need to move over to solar panels and um and wind turbines and i said okay you you're speaking to me from the uk where everything is developed i live in africa do you expect millions upon millions upon upon millions of poor people to somehow subsidize a very unreliable source of energy no what you're actually suggesting is that you want us to remain this sort of economic slave uh, because we can't catch up to the rest of the world if we are just using solar panels and and wind turbines plus the factories that make those things don't run off solar panels and wind turbines no. The other thing is, Jeremy, I mean, again, you've got to look at it from where you live. You're making a very good point about your own situation. Now, I can argue living here in the UK that um, we have a, we've, we're due for a very harsh winter. Apparently, most people predict a very harsh winter. Now, usually when we have a harsh winter in the UK, we're looking at temperatures about my, minus five, minus 10 degrees Celsius. Um, a long period of a very bad winter was uh, back in 1963, where we had three months of uh, sub-zero temperatures. And you know, several feet deep of snow and no wind. So first of all, we're very north, very far north. We don't get a lot of winter sun. And if you've got wind farms, you know, two or three feet deep in snow and no wind blowing, that, that's your two main sources of so-called renewable energy out. You have no means of, of powering anything. So it's deliberately done, Jeremy. I believe it's done deliberately because these forms of energy are unreliable. They're unsustainable in terms of reliability. They're okay in their niche market. You know, if you're in the desert and you want to, you know, use a solar panel, great. They're quite useful in remote areas for preparing uh, streetlights. You know, and again, if you go into the moon, yeah, if you have a satellite, use solar power. There's nothing to obstruct that energy from the sun. But down here on Earth, we have things called clouds and snow and dust and hailstones. I have seen, probably like you, images where people are mocking the whole concept where a, a strong hailstorm can totally decimate a, a solar panel farm. And I've, I've seen so many wind turbines. They're meant to last 20 years, Jeremy. If you get 10 years out of them, you're doing very well. They run out of oil. The oil, the oil breaks down. The parts break down. They corrode. These things have to be constantly maintained. They'll never, ever generate the energy that was used to create them. So they're not sustainable. They're actually a lose-lose scenario. We've got to oppose it and wake up. Mm. And I mean, the other thing to think about is how are these uh, resources mined? I mean, people don't care about cobalt and where that comes from. You know, oh, it's, it's just, it's a battery, so therefore it must be cleaner. But I mean, have you ever gone down the line to see how you ended up with that battery? Yeah, a lot of people don't realize it. The other, the other issue here is uh, any energy security, because it, when you're outsourcing so much of your, your raw, raw, raw resources from countries like China, I mean, fair enough, China at the moment, you know, wants to trade. But you go back 50 years, that was a very hardcore communist state. The the big thaw, uh, thanks to the, the Nixon uh, Accord, you know, that helped bring in China to the, to the trading nations. But that could reverse quite easily. Um, again, right now, we're seeing the potential for World War Three. All 90% of the world's lithium comes from outer Mongolia. Similar number, similar percentage of the world's cobalt is coming from the Congo. Again, mm. these are remote places. And what we've done, Jeremy, is typical of most other civilizations through history, where you have an infrastructure that is so become so diverse and very tenuous. And going back to the Sea Peoples, you go back a thousand years. Um, they relied on trading with faraway places. 
climate change back then was an issue. If you have a sudden change in climate and you're getting all your goods from a thousand miles away, you know, the Silk Road existed for a reason. The trading was tenuous. There was never a true uh, mm. means of bringing it across. You have to have locally something sustainable. You have to have something yeah. you can rely on. And the, the whole thing about sustainable energy or renewable energy, particularly in the African context, John, is that it's basically a catalyst to perpetual poverty. I mean, that's what it really is. We on Africa will never be able to catch up to the rest of the world if we are blocked from using coal and nuclear. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, as I said to you earlier, I, I'm looking at doing a project where I want to talk about the strengths and weaknesses of these BRICS nations. Each, you know, the BRICS nations, essentially the core five nations, they're building a wonderful collaboration because they all have something unique. They all have something the other guys want. <clears throat> and, and I think that's where you build, that is the kernel of, of a growing a mighty tree, a mighty oak, <clears throat> because you're close enough. You know, you're close enough to know that you, you're working against a system. You're like the uh, outsiders. You've seen what's wrong with the Western way of doing things, you can, and you're going to fix the problem your own way. I like the idea that China is working to set up a new international banking and insurance system. China and Russia are leading the way. The idea of getting back away, get away from fiat currency and plastic cards, get back on the gold standard try and root out all the corruption. The city of London is the most corrupt place to be for financial fraud. The idea of offshore um, banks, you know, these going to the, the, these places where nobody can see where you've got your hidden assets. Again, all that was created deliberately for the, for the, for the rich, not for you and me. Yeah. You know, and you, know you and I know they don't pay taxes. We pay taxes. They don't. Yeah. Uh, when I was uh, in Europe recently, and this is why I think it's so important that people who are very quick to, to throw out comments and judgments, you need to actually travel a little bit to see. When I was in Europe, for example, um, when you land, it's very apparent that it's a whole different world. People there have become accustomed to everything working. They have everything. And uh, there's, no, there's no thought of blackouts, for example. Electricity runs 24 hours a day. You know? so, so you can, you have the, the, the privilege of saying, well, we need to move to renewables. Okay, sure. Now come to where I stay and then get off the plane and, and tell me the same thing. It's, it's just, it's, it's a sense of people need to hold up a mirror um, and, and realize that you can't speak from your perspective and apply it everywhere else. Yeah, this is why I like the idea of this project I'm, I'm mm. working on and hopefully you and I can work and push it forward where we need, as you say, to travel. Um, we know everybody can't afford to travel. You and I are quite privileged. You know, we have good jobs. You know, we, we're hardworking guys and we can do that. You know, we have the initiative to devise a, a way of going around the world and presenting content, you know, on air to show ordinary people how it is in different countries. And uh, I'm, believe it or not, Jeremy, very upbeat. I'm not negative. I'm upbeat because I have mm, faith mm. that there seems to be a movement now. And I, I know that a lot of people don't believe this, but I actually believe that the turmoil we're going through, again, is necessary. We have to re yeah. root out the evil. And, I, and I'm, yeah. I'm actually happy for the first time in my life, Jeremy, I'm realizing that Russia can be a force for good. I grew yes. up thinking the Soviet exactly. Union were the bad guys. I, I yeah. believed up until recently that uh, Hamas and all these terrorists were Arab, Arabs by their nature, are dodgy people, but they're not. You know, it's what mm. we've done to them, you know, and I, I, yeah. I say that 
think putting my Irish cap on, second generation Irish immigrant to the UK, I think back to what my grandfather had to do and his father had to do to be free of British tyranny and to throw off the yoke mm-hmm. of imperialism. And I can relate to how people who, in conquered lands have to you know, make that effort to strive for their own independence. Because I truly believe, Jeremy, there are plenty of resources on this planet. If we manage them sensibly, everybody can be prosperous. Everybody has a yeah. chance for a good life. I've got the I've got the view that that we don't have limited resources. I, I think human nature is such that we are highly innovative, and we will invent things. And I don't think we'll ever run out of resources. We'll just adapt and change our our our, our sources of energy or whatever those resources might be. Um, for example, the sun is pretty much an endless, infinite source of energy, and yeah. wind seems to be pretty much the same. We don't have to make these claims that we are running out you know those are just those are just ways to uh enslave people to you know through fear and propaganda and that sort of thing and i think the the true the true freedom is knowing that and this is important i just want to point this out john the true freedom lies in not being a victim yes there are oligarchs there are very powerful people and organizations and players in the world absolutely there are frameworks and agendas that are pretty much unstoppable but that doesn't mean that we are suddenly all these useless little eaters that can do nothing about it. We can. We can make changes, and we are, and we should. Mm. Yeah, the, 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 the way a rich man stays rich is you build up a, a, a concept about your product. If you say you're, you're, you're an oil magnet, or if you work in some kind of field like diamonds, for example, precious metals, precious, precious jewels, you need to, to preserve your wealth, create the widespread illusion that what your product product is is rare. The more you can convince people it's very rare, the more you push up the value of that commodity. And that is what's been happening for so many years, over 120, 30 years of this. You know, the Rockefellers did it, you know, De Beers did it with diamonds. Diamonds are not rare. You, you, know, you and I know that it's the mm. access to the diamonds that's the issue. You can go and get them. Similar, similar with gold, you know, all these things are there, but you have to use your wit and ingenuity to get them. And the, the powers that be, uh, they play fast and loose with the supply. Yeah. You know, the supply is the issue, isn't it? You know and I know that for the last year and a half, we've had a very clever tit for tat going on with the oil energy market. You know, the, the blowing up the Nord Stream pipeline was very shrewd because, again, he yes. who controls the energy, you know, controls the markets. And um, again, yeah. that was a wonderful, wonderful quote to bear in mind. And uh, it's something you must remember. People are so easily you know, taken on by the me- media into believing so much of what we have around us is very, very rare. It's not. We could all be quite self-sufficient if we had a mm, bit of ingenuity exactly. and a bit of guidance. The other thing also is, um, and we mustn't fall into this trap of just avoiding Hollywood entirely, for example. I think Hollywood can, <laughs> for what it's worth, Hollywood can uh, give us a little bit of, of insight. So I would recommend people watch a movie like Blood Diamond. It's, of course, sensationalized, but it does give you a bit of insight into what you're talking about regarding diamonds. A lot of people don't know, you know, about, you know, where diamonds, well, not now necessarily, but perhaps did a few decades ago, came from. Um, another great movie, I think, is Lord of War with Nicolas Cage. These are two really, really good movies, in my opinion. Um, and I think they they are somewhat revealing in terms of what's going on behind the curtains. And um, and I'm just I'm just saying that that if you can't travel, at least try and find other perspectives. Yeah, this is the thing that we um, are gradually learning to look beyond our own trusted sources. And I, I think that was the great. Mm. 
uh, Contrick, you know, they, they talk about the way that the CIA manipulated the media, you know, Operation Paperclip. That, that was a wonderful way in which, um, you know, after the end of the Second World War and the advent of the Cold War, it was very, very important that everybody bought into a central narrative because when, yeah. when there's unity, two great superpowers can, you know, head, head each other face to face and and do this normal kind of task of, of bluffing each other but you've got to have the support of the populace and the the old hegelian dialectic you know problem reaction solution you know you've got to feed the populace to keep them on board with the narrative we've all fallen for this trick now jeremy we've all been brought up to believe in that the only people who can work out our problems for us are the government there are you know wonderful yeah. innovative people elon musk has been uh, you know one of the great icons of this kind of mind you know the kind of thought process um but you and i can see that elon musk is flawed himself you know there's th there's things that he does that yes. i would agree with other things i think are insane um tesla for example and spacex to me are both ponzi schemes i don't support them yes but what he's doing in with x twitter yeah, I like that. I, I think everybody's got strengths and weaknesses. And, and I think the key to being successful in life, Jeremy, is knowing you, a wise man knows his weaknesses. A wise man knows where he's ignorant. And collaboration is the way to go. But a spirit of optimism, I think we all need. And we should have that now. I really think we do need to have that. Um, that yeah, just to, just to add to what you're saying, just on Elon, I get really frustrated, John, uh, with a lot of the sort of paranoid Android culture that tends to follow people like us. And I don't mind by and large who, who follows our work, etc. But I do get really annoyed when it, everything becomes completely one zero binary. Oh, uh, Elon is involved with Tesla, therefore 100% of everything he says and does is evil. This is nonsense. There is such thing as nuance and there's such thing as human nature. He still is a person who goes to bed at night. And yes, he might be off off the track with a with a pile of things and i agree with with you mm -hmm. but i think he still can bring about good x with all its flaws is demonstrably better than than what twitter was before he bought it for example and i think i think if if we fall into the trap of just writing people off as as if it's like a one or zero scenario uh we ourselves will end up missing out on a lot of substance yeah, the key thing I think about X Twitter is the fact that the enemies of uh, Musk have said that it's lost fifty percent of his revenue. You know, he his outspoken remarks have uh, pushed mm. away all the the woke the sponsors. They don't want to work with him. They think he's he's toxic. Um, so yeah, he said the argument is: Does he really need that money anyway? Because um, again, I made the point earlier: if you're extremely wealthy. At some point in your life, life is short, th there must be a kind of motive, some kind of drive in you to do good, you know, do something worthwhile for humanity. O otherwise, you go to the other extreme and be a psychopath and, and destroy. That's, yes, that's exactly the point, John. I was saying yesterday on my show that I don't think Elon or anybody else for that matter thinks that they themselves are bad or evil people. I don't think Elon goes to bed at night thinking, ah, I'm evil, I'm going to find new ways to be even more evil tomorrow. I don't think that at all. I think he genuinely does think that he's doing a lot of good with Tesla. I don't for one moment buy into into electric vehicles. I think they're, they're crap. But he clearly either knows that it's a scam and he's and he's he's just making a lot of money from it. Or he genuinely believes it. Mm. Or he could be transitioning, he could have made a decision, mm. maybe realized that that wasn't the ideal path and possibly 
X Twitter is a new path. Again, you know, altruism comes in, doesn't it? You know, philanthropy comes in. And I think mm. that that's what you do. Most of us in the wealthy countries, we do tend to have a quite a strong tradition of charity, in charitable giving. Anybody who has any success in life, your conscience pricks you. And you think, what can I do to put something back? And my, I'd like to think, Jeremy, my gut instinct is I'd like to think Elon Musk is one of those. He, he made his fortune. He's made loads of money. Um, he's made a few missteps. Who you know, Everybody makes missteps. And I think the ex-Twitter move is a wonderful gift to humanity in terms of restoring free speech, if we ever had it. Um, people have their you know, qualms about that. They say it's not a truly free platform. But God, how much better is it now than it was a couple of years ago? I mean, I can yeah. now, I'm back now on Twitter, Jeremy, posting quite freely. And, and I've got my trials and tribulations on Facebook that you know about. And uh, that's still a hard graph because I, I see so many people ghost banned on there. And I, and I know I've been banned a few times. And uh, I'm sure I'll be banned again quite shortly, Jeremy, because, again, the powers that be on these other platforms, they're not giving up their kind of draconian measures, are they, anytime soon? And I don't know what direction to take here. So I'm I'm very open to getting emails, John, um, to challenge me on this. But I I don't think I might be wrong, but I don't think Elon is a Zionist. And somebody who's at that level uh, in terms of tech, big tech, that's kind of refreshing. Yeah, and I, I like the thought that um, you and I are doing a little bit to help wake people up about the nuance. We use that word nuance. Yeah. Um, if you're an Israeli, uh, you're not essentially a Jew. You, What you are essentially yes. um, is somebody that lives in a theocratic democracy, which is a, a democracy in name only. Anybody who's looked into Netanyahu knows what he's done. He's facing uh, an awful criminal trial. Um, but for the fact that uh, this Hamas attack happened, Netanyahu would now be out of power. He would now possibly be facing many, many years in jail. And um, they say, who benefits? Qui bono? This October the 7th attack, Jeremy, I believe, um, I'm not 100% sure on it. It's just a belief. But I think Mossad. there's the finger <laughs> fingerprints of Mossad on it, fingerprints of Netanyahu mm. on it, because they definitely are winning. They're getting some kind of respite from the, the persecutions. Israel, in effect, without Hamas October the 7th, would probably now be in civil war. I believe that. Well, I don't, I don't know if you saw, but Patrick Henningsen, you know, colleague on TNT uh, shared a post today saying that uh, it's now been revealed that the Israeli government were aware about a year in advance that this attack was going to happen. Yeah, and even Netanyahu admits that uh, in the late 1980s, funding came from Israel to Hamas. The idea was they thought they could control that opposition. And uh, some people have argued, some people have said that the point of creating, building up Hamas from the Israeli point of view, served Israel's purpose because Correct. it allowed people to divide the opposition. If you divide the opposition, you can conquer them, just like they do dividing us by gender, by creed, you know, by age. Um, you know, they do everything they can with identity politics. Identity politics is their but trump card. To be fair, though, I don't mind some degree of division. I I, I was just saying today how much I don't like unisex bathrooms. <laughs> no, I don't. No, no, I, um, the lot of things I don't like, Jeremy, a lot of guys are now picking up on the idea. I used to love, go back to the gym again. I used to love the idea of all these lovely young women getting fitness conscious and coming to the gym. As a red-blooded yes. guy, it kind of perked me up. But now, the last year or two, becoming aware of these uh, 
uh, people, TikTokers, these, these young ladies who bring their tripod and camera, their phone, and they set themselves up and they film men no. looking at them. No, 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 yes. no, no, you're lying. <laughs> I'm not lying. <laughs> and they, they have the, the, the hypocrisy of it, Jeremy, is they'll film themselves being having men treat them like me, you know, the, the putting all their wares on display. And yet they're desperately trying to get a million views on TikTok or whatever. To, to 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 clap them wearing the you know tight um oh. lycra it's, it's nonsense jeremy <laughs> oh man really i'm so glad john that i am not a member of any gym i'm so glad that i created my own gym in my garage because I, I i just i wouldn't cope and also now apparently you talk about all these women going to the gym but now i mean now we don't even know if they are women that is scary yeah that is something that yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> they're saying what you're looking for in in a woman it's um you know making sure that double x chromosomes you know it, you've got to make sure that um <laughs> you've got to be careful jeremy i mean i i've i've fallen into the trap i admit i'll hold my hand up jeremy i actually spoke to somebody on, on a dating site quite a couple of years ago who i thought was a woman um and they insisted on being a woman you got catfished but, uh, <laughs> I, I did, yeah. I got catfished. <laughs> they they dressed like a woman, Jeremy, and they had the upper part. Let's say they had the augmentation. They had the correct augmentation you know, on the chest, but everything else was not. <laughs> and I, I was like, oh, I think, why did you not tell I think, me? <laughs> I think we can all agree that it was Alex. He was catfishing you. <laughs> <laughs> We're supposed to be... We're supposed to accept this now, you know. Oh, don't be a hater. Try it. No, I don't want to try it. You know, there's some things you know in your gut you don't want to try. This is why the empire is imploding, John. And this is why yeah. <laughs> this is why the East is winning. <laughs> well, they, you know, they argue that I, I'm not, um, you know, credit where credit's due. Russia is now fast growing. Europe's leading economy. And all, I've also mm. found out, Jeremy, that Islam is the world's fastest growing religion. In the next 10 years, Islam will be the world's largest religion. Yeah, but that's not a good country, thing either. Well, it's, well, do you know what it is? It's called market forces. They mm. are very good at what they do. If you yeah. don't go to my, my country and your country, ostensibly Christian countries, nobody goes to church, Jeremy. Nobody you know, stands up for what they believe in. They talk the talk. Yeah. They want other people to fix their problem, but they're not prepared to do it themselves. The fact is, Jeremy, that um, my family, my parents came to the UK because nobody wanted to do the crap jobs. So mm -hmm. poor people, two poor people from Ireland came over and did the crap jobs ordinary British people didn't want to do. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm very much in favour of economic migration if people do work. Um, but again, it, the point is, I think they mentioned it before, the point system Australia is a good idea. But in the UK, there is no point system. If you've got a rubber dinghy, you can row yourself across that uh, English Channel. And, and before you know it, they're in a five-star hotel getting paid £500 <laughs> a week just to live off the state. So, but John, you know, John, listen, here, here in Africa, we don't even know what points are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's a funny old world jeremy and I, and I know that um as we said we've got to go and visit other countries visiting other countries you get an idea of other people's cultures um mm. there's no point being an armchair pontificator you've got to go out there and uh, just see how other cultures work and uh, like i said to you i've got friends who are both jewish and muslim and they're the best people jeremy the best hard-working people they don't blow anybody up they don't hate for the sake of hate. They're reasonable, hardworking mm. people getting on with their lives, not bothering anybody else.
I'll tell you a funny story quickly as we uh, start coming into the last couple of minutes. Uh, friends, friends of ours um, emigrated to uh, New Zealand a few months ago, maybe f four months ago. Alex, you might want to listen to this. It's pretty funny. And um, <laughs> they want to come back to South Africa <laughs> in the coming year. They sold everything before they emigrated to New Zealand. And now they're saying, oh, no, we can't live here. The people here are filthy. They're lazy. They all wear tracksuits. <laughs> the women are ugly and they're fat. <laughs> so now they're planning to come back to South Africa. I don't know if that's true. I don't know anything about Kiwis, but, <laughs> but there you go. Yeah, I can believe it. But anyway, so I, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure that the Aussies are are more in shape and less lazy than 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 the Kiwis. <laughs> well, I mean, I think apparently, apparently it's like a welfare state. So, you know, who knows? Yeah, it's like the UK, very much like the UK. I think that the New Zealand is like the, the poor man's version of the UK and Australia is what the UK people would like to be like. I think I think Joel's <laughs> upset. I think Joel's upset. He's 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 controlling the video. Is Joel a Kiwi? Is Joel is a Kiwi, Kiwi, Alex? Oh, no. no, he's not. Sorry. No, no. He, Alex, Alex is saying he is a Kiwi. Ah, uh, you see. Oh, so, no. so Joel, so Joel nearly switched off the camera. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We love you, Joel. <laughs> uh, so, sorry for the hate speech, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> Please, Joel, uh, send send all complaints to Germ Warfare at TNT Radio Live. <laughs> uh, John, quickly, we're running out of time. Let's promo your show. Yeah, um, I'm on tomorrow, Saturday afternoon. If you're in the U if you're in the US, it's uh, between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Eastern. Um, it's 2 p.m. to, to 4 p.m. GMT. Um, my guest, Jeremy, on Sky Dragon Slaying, uh, first in the first hour, Mohammed Adil. Mohammed Adil is a top surgeon who was banned. He lost his case in the High Court recently because he spoke out. He was a whistleblower on the COVID lies, the pandemic lies. He's now out of work, Jeremy, out of work for three years, and we're going to fight his case for him and take him to the High oh, Court good. in The Hague. Um, second now, Steve Gorham. Steve Gorham is one of those climate activists like myself. Um, he's here to talk about his new book, and we'll be talking about the nonsense about the, the catastrophe of climate change. So that should be fun, Jeremy. John O'Sullivan, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. Thank you for joining me in the trenches. See you again in pleasure, two weeks. Jeremy. Thank you very much. Please uh, send me an email, jimwarfare.tntradio.live. Even if you are a Kiwi, I don't dislike you, I promise. I'm just relaying messages <laughs> from, from from my South African friends who want to come back. I am sure that <laughs> I'm sure that people in New Zealand are not all uh, lazy and fat and wear tracksuits. Listen, Joel doesn't look like he's wearing a tracksuit there in the studio. So <laughs> there we go. There's counter evidence. <laughs> but all right. It's been an absolute pleasure. Looking forward to uh, chatting to you again next week. I think i got a very awesome lineup. Uh, Going to be chatting about some really, really, really cool stuff. Um, always trying to push the boundaries. Always trying to do what the mainstream doesn't like. Uh, and uh, this is what we do at TNT. We like, to, uh, we like to push those envelopes a little bit. By the way, please tell your friends to watch the live show now. We have a 24-hour video feed, which is freaking fantastic. So I'll catch you on Monday. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas.